With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Over the last few years, reporter Mark Chisano has made himself into a kind of bard of Nassau County. Nassau is just east of New York City, past Queens. It's the original suburb, you know, home of Levittown, uh, where people sort of experimented with what the suburbs were going to look like. Um, So it's funny. It's a little bit of a throwback. For politicians, Mark says, Nassau's gotten this reputation as being a suburban crystal ball. Ronald Reagan famously said that when a Republican dies and goes to heaven, it looks a lot like Nassau County. Then the winds seem to shift. Barack Obama won here, twice, then Hillary Clinton. But a couple years after that, Republican fabulist George Santos entered the scene. Mark was working for Newsday back then. Yeah, I um, wrote a little piece about him on the day he announced his 2020 run. And yeah, I was kind of following him along ever since. Wow. Wild ride, huh? It's been weird, you know? It was weird from the beginning, a little bit. Like in that phone call, which was supposed to be his launch, he said, I'm actually in Florida right now. What? (laughs) Like, why are you in Florida while you're launching your... New York campaign. I'm in the spiritual homeland of Republicans. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, so, yeah, very strange from the beginning. We all know how this strange story ended with Santos's lies unspooling. He got kicked out of Congress back in December. Now, the race is on to replace him, which means in parts of Nassau County, today's election day. I read that both sides in this race, they're putting as much as $10 million into this special election to replace George Santos. It's wild. It's huge. It's so much money. I was talking to um, a, a guy that I play basketball with who's not a political guy, um, and I told him I was you know, writing about the race, and he said, oh, yeah, I know all about it. And I was sort of surprised, but he said, you know, he watches Jeopardy and it's like every <laughs> other commercial around the New York metropolitan area is this. You can't miss it. So... This race is generating a lot of money, a lot of interest, but whoever wins George Santos's seat, they're only going to be in Congress until the end of the year, right? Yes. It's an incredible, it's a wild, wild situation. Um, So why are both parties paying so much attention to this election? Well, I think there's two reasons. One is that it's a very tight, uh, you know, margin in the House, right? There's also uh, this, I think, this question of message testing that both uh, parties are sort of seeing what is working right now. It's almost like a freebie, a trial run before the November races. And so we're getting a we're getting maybe a preview. You're saying Nassau County is like a laboratory. It is a bit of a laboratory. Yeah. Kind of always has been, too. Today on the show. How much can this one special election tell you about the rest of this political year? I'm Mary Harris. 
You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So when George Santos got the boot from his colleagues in December... It started the clock on a special election process in New York's 3rd District, a push for someone to keep his seat warm. This process works a little differently from a normal election. There's no primary. There's just the the two parties pick their their candidates. So so they chose. It was a real literal smoke-filled room kind of thing. Um, Voters had no input on on who was going to be their candidates. And so now we have them. We have, uh, on the Democratic side, Tom Suozzi, who is a guy who held this seat for three terms. He actually beat George Santos the first time. And then he decided to run for governor, a long-shot bid uh, to New York Governor Kathy Hochul's right. You know, New Yorkers had such high hopes when the governor took office, and she pledged to make it the most ethical, the most transparent government in the history of New York State. And that simply hasn't happened. That's why he lost in that primary, and then he's kind of uh, looking for a job, I guess. And <laughs> so he is back. He's back. He's a big name in Nassau County politics. He's had long family uh, ties to the district. He and a bunch of family members were mayors of Glen Cove, which is one of the cities in the in the district. Then he became Nassau County Executive, which the way I put it is it's kind of like a peer position to New York City mayor right across the border. Um, it's a big job. You know, you run the police department. You do, you do a lot of things. And Swazi is quite moderate, right? Like he was one of the people who was involved with the Problem Solvers Caucus, which is it's sort of uh, the anti-progressive caucus. It's like, we're going to work across the aisle, get things done, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, if you talk to Tom Swazi for more than you know 15 minutes, it's really unlikely that he won't mention that he was once vice chair of the Bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus. Um, hmm. This is uh, this is a thing that he he's very proud of, is really central to his political uh, ethos, for sure. The ballot says Tom Swazi is running to represent Syosset, Levittown, Douglaston, record says Tom represents a place you can't find on a map called Common Ground. Let's work together. So tell me about the Republican candidate. Her name is Mozzie Pillip. That's right. Yeah. Mozzie Pillip is a, um, she's in just the beginning of her second term as the Nassau County legislator, you know, lower level job. So she's a bit of a newcomer on the scene. She has a fascinating, fascinating biography. She's an Ethiopian Israeli immigrant, uh, served in the IDF 
and uh, actually married an immigrant as well, a Ukrainian immigrant. So she has these really all, she kind of touches all these hot button issues right now in all these interesting ways. Mozzie Pillow, soldier, mother, conservative fighter. In Congress, Mozzie will secure the border. Work with ICE to- She's also a registered Democrat, I read. She's a registered Democrat, that's right. And, uh, I, you know, this is weirdly not that uncommon on Long Island. <laughs> um, a lot of people kind of uh, go back and forth. But yeah, it is a bit surprising that she hasn't changed yet, right? She's she's not like that new to politics and she hasn't filed the paperwork to change yet. She says she's going to do so after the election. Yeah. It's interesting because I really get why Tom Swazi would be running for this seat. Like he's done it before. I can see the party going to him and being like, hey, could you just get into this race one more time. Everybody knows you. You know, yeah. it just seems very familiar. Get the band back together. Exactly. But with Mozzie Pillip, it's kind of interesting. I don't know what her personal motivation is. Like, and actually I've heard some questions about whether Pillip herself is steering her campaign. Like, she doesn't even have any campaign employees to speak of, right? Yeah. So it's been a strange campaign for Pillip because when she appears all around the district, she's often with someone else from the Republican Party. Cynics might call them minders, you know, Hmm. people who kind of speak for her even and kind of introduce her and sort of set the tone for the conversation. So that has surprised some people. I will say, though, that when she does talk, she is very forceful. She um, she sort of, you know, can get fiery and has, like I said, this biography that so perfectly matches this political moment. So it's possible that she's kind of growing into this role, even though. Uh, she has not been kind of at the front of uh, of all of her appearances. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I look at this Republican candidate and I just think, I, I can't tell if the Republican Party is learning from their experience with Santos because they're constantly minding this person and very much controlling uh, their rollout, or whether they're not learning from the experience because clearly Mozzie Pillip is very inexperienced or much less experienced than Tom Swazi. Certainly less experienced. She herself said that the Republicans vetted her with three different firms. <laughs> and I do think I've sort of, you know, done my own reporting on that uh, on the side. I think that they were kind of careful to make sure she was who she said she was. Um, you know, one thing that is consistent in what the Republican Party has done here is reaching out to a new kind of uh, voter community. Um, that is what Santos was. This was sort of the promise of Santos, was that he was not the kind of typical Republican candidate for the Nassau GOP. They used to say that Nassau Republican candidates had um, Republican hair, which, <laughs> as you can imagine, was kind of white, straight, you know, is an old person's, uh, a white person's hair, right? Yeah. So there is a different um, approach here, right? And Republicans have been benefited by this, uh, especially in Nassau, um, by reaching out to these new communities. And so I think it's a, it is a sort of interesting strategy that they're trying once again. Can we talk about what the major issues have shaped up to be in this race? So big one is definitely immigration. Huge, huge issue. Why is that? So the I think that it is a sort of return to the nationalized issues um, that are probably going to drive the election in November, different from what it had been in this district before, which was kind of very focused on some local things, including crime in New York City um, or alleged crime in New York City. 
So immigration has been a big thing. There are these thousands of newcomers to New York City, some of whom are, this district straddles the city suburbs line. So there is a little piece of this in the city, in Queens, and there are um, a bunch of migrants, uh, you know, asylum seekers being sort of um, held there, living there in, in a shelter. And certainly some are going across the county line. There are there are these um, very sort of vibrant immigrant communities on Long Island. And so certainly people will kind of make their way, uh, you know, towards family and friends and people that they kind of know culturally there on Long Island. There does not seem to have been a huge, huge migration out east to Long Island yet. Um, so this is still a little bit of a, a sense rather than a true um, something that's really happening on the ground. But you hear it a lot. You hear a lot of fear about the changing nature of school systems, um, that tax base, um, the ways that people are sort of concerned about um, about immigrants changing their way of life. Yeah. It's interesting because the head of the Democratic Party has been talking about this incident that recently happened in New York City where a couple of NYPD officers were allegedly attacked by a group of migrants and those migrants were released without bail. And there was just clearly this huge concern that this would impact the race in Long Island, this Nassau County race. And that was interesting to me because it would be an emotional reaction. Like, this didn't happen in Nassau County. <laughs> well, and I, I, totally, that's right. There's two things here. One is that it's an emotional reaction because it happened in New York City. Second thing is that it's really unclear if what the police say happened in that incident actually happened. Some video has come out showing a very, very different picture of how the incident started. Um, does not seem to have been nearly the way it was described at first as sort of this kind of very aggressive uh, migrants doing something really terrible. So it's the, but it's the classic. Uh, it's really straight from the Republican playbook is take kind of one-off incidents that sometimes are not even true or not uh, or certainly exaggerated in terms of what happened and use them to paint this really uh, dark, dark picture of, of New York City and crime and people who look different and use that to their political advantage. Yeah. I mean, clearly Tom Swazi, the Democrat, is feeling the heat here. Like he's said some things in the past about whether ICE immigration control should be operating in Nassau County. And he said those things for good reason. Like ICE was trying to come into the county and not work with the local police and trying to knock on people's doors when they maybe didn't have the right address for the people that they were seeking. So it seems to me he has real reasons for not wanting to work with ICE like previously when he was in charge. But now it seems like he's really being like his feet are being put to the fire over that. Absolutely. There's a there's a quote that's been playing in all these in all these ads of him saying, you know, that that he kicked ice out of Nassau County. And it is for this very sort of specific reason that his police commissioner basically asked for it, asked for some help. This is a sort of a supporting law enforcement moment. And and he's been hit for it because uh, in ads, it's really easy to kind of take things out of context. Illegal immigrants arriving by the busload. Why? Because Tom Swazi repeatedly weakened America's borders. What's so interesting to me about Swazi is that he certainly is uh, is no kind of lefty. Um, yeah, now he's calling on President Biden to shut down the border, right? 
Yes, sort of, uh, um, you know, kind of strangely, uh, uniquely among many uh, Democrats, right? This is not, it's not a classic Democratic position. So this is a guy who's deeply, certainly in that middle zone, you know. But the problem is that when you have spent a lifetime in government, you have lots of um, positions that you, that people can poke at you when they have no history or very little history in government and few policy positions. So another one was that he, uh, you know, kind of was supportive of uh, centers for day laborers, um, many of them immigrants in Glencove, a place where he was a mayor at one point. Again, kind of rational, sort of down the middle, uh, simple thing, you know, supporting businesses, you know, <laughs> straightening things up, um, making things kind of ship shape. Um, but now that looks uh, it's very different from what people, the way people talk about immigration right now. I look at this immigration issue right now, and to me, it just feels so much like the debate over crime during the 2022 midterms. And it feels like that both because I'm not sure how real of an issue that crime issue was in the first place, but politically, it really did not go well for New York Democrats. And they ended up losing four seats, which arguably helped cost the Democrats the House of Representatives. So to me, it just seems like, ooh, this feels familiar. It definitely does feel familiar, you know, new sort of cover, but same playbook in a way. The other thing that I think is different here is that it's a playbook that can be used nationally, whereas the crime one was uh, was in some ways most effective in New York because of this bail legislation thing that you could kind of pin some amount of responsibility directly to Democrats. But the immigration thing is national, obviously, and owned by Biden in a way, although he will try to avoid that, right? Um, but so this, I think we're going to be seeing this playbook around the country. What are the polls saying about where this Nassau County race stands right now? So both the uh, private and public polling seems to be that it's very tight. Um, you know, Tom Swazi in the public ones is kind of up by single digits, basically within the margin of error. So you would not put money on this election one way or the other. You know, <laughs> it's not where you want to be if you are, if you've spent so much money and you're a guy who has a ton of uh, history in the district, right? It's very, very close. We'll be right back after a quick break. Three days ago, which is to say three days before the election, Tom Swazi and Mazi Pillip had their first and only debate. The timing here seems strange because early voting was like before this. In process. It had already started. Yeah. So that's strange, first of all. But I am kind of curious what happened when these two met face to face. How did it go? So Tom Swazi had been pushing for more debates, and uh, Pillip, for whatever reason, didn't do it. Uh, she has said, oh, you have a fascination with my schedule. But um, <laughs> she certainly, uh, you know, her schedule was tight. She she didn't do any of these uh, joint events until the single uh, belated debate. And certainly there was this sense that she didn't want to uh, be sort of up there in front of the cameras alone, you know, without, without help. So... What did this look like? Like, what were the questions they got and how did they respond? The questions were very focused on these big issues like immigration, Israel, abortion. She has tried to carve out this kind of middle zone on abortion, but uh, was pressed kind of repeatedly by Swazi. 
she uh, was, I, th- I think, I-, I guess I would say that she held her own in that she didn't kind of uh, absolutely, you know, Swazi didn't absolutely walk all over her. She was able to, this is kind of theater coverage in a way, you know, but she was able to sort of sound definitive and forceful and all those things, which is the like very base level, I think, the, the way that people watch these debates. But certainly Swazi was able to kind of point out a lot of kind of questions about her positions. Uh, there was a lot of kind of things that weren't very clear when she described them, including on abortion, like what her actual position was. Right. Mazi Pillip says she's pro-life. She has seven children. She deeply believes in that, but she doesn't want to force her opinion on others, theoretically. Correct. And, you know, has said she wouldn't vote for a national ban on abortion. Well, fine. Uh, that's that's what all the New York Republicans say. But she hasn't really been very clear on what she would do on lots of other policy uh, things, even votes related to abortion, right? There's lots of things between national ban on abortion and Roe v. Wade, right? So she's been kind of uh, uh, unclear on that, for sure. Whichever way things shake out today, pundits are going to have a field day analyzing these results in the context of November's presidential race. Mark says what happens in Long Island could set a narrative about what voters care about, what's making them want to vote in the first place. To me, I think what is important about it is we're seeing um, a kind of trial run uh, for the parties, for the messaging, for candidates. Um, It's a bit of an experiment to see what is working and what isn't. Um, And I think that even before we know what happens, I do think that we we know what has uh, what what the parties are interested in, right? And um, Pillip really seems to have hit her stride, focusing on immigration. And so I don't think we're going to see that evaporate, whether or not she wins. Yeah, I mean, I look at this race, and I see how it's potentially predictive of bigger trends in the twenty twenty four election landscape. But that said, I feel like a loss for Republicans or Democrats would mean very different things for those parties. Like Republicans winning this race, Mozzie Pillip winning this race, it would be huge. It would mean like winning despite the Santos debacle with a totally untested candidate pretty much, like just massive victory. For Democrats, I see winning this race as kind of the least they can do. (laughs) Like the suburbs are already trending toward Democrats. Biden won this district in 2020 by 10 points. The Republicans really screwed it up last time. And you have a very experienced person who literally used to do this job. So those mismatched stakes seem meaningful to me. I think so. And there will be, I think there will be a lot of sort of post-election spin, right, uh, uh, on those, about those stakes. If Swazi loses here, it may be a sort of message too about what uh, kind of um, message and kind of candidate is working super well in this moment, right? He tried to be this, uh, or he is really this kind of very centrist, very, um, you know, kind of both sides uh, uh, working across the aisle guy. Well, a lot of people have just compared him directly to Biden. He's an older white guy who very middle of the road, wants to come shake your hand and... Um, you know, work it out. He's a big Biden supporter, too. He's one of the first people to endorse Biden in his uh, presidential run. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a small sample, obviously. But if he can't kind of, uh, if, if voters aren't looking for that kind of quote-unquote normality, um, I think that isn't the best message for Biden. There's one more funny thing about this race. 
which is that New York is about to go through a whole bunch of redistricting, right? Again. (laughs) We're still kind of dealing with the last one. (laughs) So this race is going to happen. This person's going to be there for less than a year in Washington. And then it's like (laughs) the coming of the tides. Like there will be another election to come and the district may look pretty different, right? Like, so should anyone really be worrying so much about this one special election in February? This person uh, will be uh, very prominent, you know, uh, in Washington in their brief time there, right? Um, There's been a lot of focus already. And so they're coming into Washington as a bit of a name, right? Um, They'll be riding high after winning, right? There'll be a lot of sort of lessons taken from their win, whichever side it is. So they'll they'll have some some months in D.C. to kind of be uh, not exactly an unknown legislator, right? Um, So there's that. And then it's possible that they could win again, right? Incumbency has real advantages. You actually don't need to live in the district uh, that you are running from when you're while you're running, right? Um, that's not in the Constitution. So uh, you have some time to move into a new district. Um, the, this won't be like totally, totally different, right? I think Democrats are a little more focused on some other parts of Long Island to shore up or uh, you know make more into a Republican pit. So uh, so so I don't think this person will be going away. Uh, um, I don't think that's the, the right lesson to take. Mark, I'm really grateful for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Mark Chisano is a writer, journalist, and the author of The Fabulist, the lying, hustling, grifting, stealing, and very American legend of George Santos. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little boost from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. Catch you back here next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply